and welcome to the Product Hive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our November UX event, where you'll hear from Jennifer Moore. Jennifer is currently the Director, Product Management at Workfront. She talks about how the often underutilized skill of gumption can help you grow in your current role, get promoted, or move on and try something new. A big thanks to Vivint for hosting this meetup. And finally, be sure to join our community on Slack, where there's always lots of great conversation happening about UX, product management, and more. You can get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at producthive.org. So now let's hear Jennifer Moore's talk, Got Gumption? How to Get Promoted. Um, So I'm excited today. My topic is about how to get promoted. Who here wants to be promoted at some point in their career? Everyone, yes. (laughs) But it's not just, right, but it's not just about promotion, right? It's about the journey. We're all on our own specific journey. And really what we have to do is be the master architect of that journey. We have to craft our own path. No one is going to do that for us. So if you're under any delusion, I'm sure no one in this room is, but if you think that someone else is going to say, this is what you should do next, or here, here's a promotion, or here, here's your next step in your career, no one is gonna do that for you. You own your path. So it's not just about being promoted, it's about making the right lateral moves at the right time, leaving companies at the right time, making the right decisions for you and for what you want. So as you think about how you have so far crafted your path, whether you're satisfied with where you're at or you want more, it really comes down to, I think the the key ingredient here in terms of how to do that is when you think about what is your, what it, who, who are you very specifically, very uniquely, that's not replicatable easily? So this is, there's a lot of phrases for this, right? There's secret sauce, there's USP, right? Unique selling proposition. There's all those fancy phrases, right? But at the end of the day, there's something that you provide that no one else does in exactly the same way. For me personally, That has been, throughout my career, gumption. What is gumption? I see it as two, two, kind of two sides. There's the one that is, yes, okay. There's, There's one half that is knowing exactly what you want and going after it, no matter what. The second half of that, though, is a willingness to do really dumb stuff and make a lot of mistakes and feel those growing pains forever, right, as part of your career. Because as you go for what you want, you're going to do stupid stuff. It's going to hurt. It's going to be really painful. But you have to be willing to do that, right, if you want to progress in your career. So what I'm gonna share today is kind of my story of how I've uh, crafted my own career and some of the things that I've learned along the way very painfully. And I kind of 
put it together in terms of, thought about it in terms of if I were to create a TV series about my life. So about my career, I should say. So if I were to call my TV series Gumption, these would be the episodes. And I don't know if anyone's a Friends fan, but I've been re-watching all the episodes with my 16-year-old. He's kind of obsessed, and so um, I just wrote them in you know, the Friends way. Is anyone familiar with Friends? Yes, yes. okay. <laughs> so this, these would be my episodes, right? So I'm just gonna walk you through the story of my career, episode by episode, um, and, and share with you a little bit about how I have leveraged gumption to get what I want. So to start, there's of course always a pilot because you're not quite sure if it's going to get picked up for you know the full season, right? So <laughs> my pilot started out very, um, <clears throat> very shockingly. But um, what I want what I want everyone to be thinking about as I'm sharing this part of my story, think about what was the last time that you, took some, you did something in your career that really, truly scared you. Like, just really, like, you didn't want to do it, but maybe you did it, maybe you, maybe you didn't. But what, what was the last thing you did that really scared you? And I'm going to ask you that at the end of this, this episode. So my career started out with um, the pilot of my, of my story here, started out with quite a shock. And the shock wasn't, you know, the shock wasn't actually a baby. <laughs> I, I had a baby, but the shock, <laughs> the shock for me, the big surprise, the thing that was like, oh, whoa, I didn't expect to actually work. I was raised and I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get married, I'm gonna have a family, and that's gonna be my life. And that was what I had planned my whole life up until my early 20s. What shocked me was that I was not cut out for that <laughs> side of life, for that, that job. Um, and so I became a working mother. And bizarrely, I don't know if anyone's done this, but if you Google working mother, this is literally what comes up. <laughs> like, this is insane. Moms, is this how your life looks? No, exactly. Like, no one's life looks this way. So, yeah, thanks, Google. Okay, so I was a working mom, but not like this. Um, but really, my first clue, honestly, this is kind of crazy because like thinking back why was it so hard for me to figure this out this is what I was doing all day like I was literally mapping out and doing trend charts and pivot tables of my newborns activities like that's that's what I was doing during the day because I was trying to just crack the code like these newborns have to be predictable enough that I could make this more efficient and improve the velocity and you know like and 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 decrease output a little bit from a from a you know certain perspective but <clears throat> there's no doing that right so this should have been my first clue but it took me a while and i finally figured it out a couple years in i also read this book um by Anne marie wright this was a turning point for me it's called a bundle of choices and it was about working mothers and all the options and things that we have that we have to you know kind of navigate through in our career 
So when I was at this, this first company that I joined, um, the reason I found this book was because the head of marketing wrote it. And I became, I connected with her and I became good friends with her. And at one point during my first real gig, it was a paid internship for $9.50 an hour. And I got it in my head that it would be a good idea to propose to the CEO directly. And Wade and I worked together, by the way, at this company. I don't know if you know this story. You, you may not know this story. So I got it in my head that it, during this pilot period of trying out working, I thought, <clears throat> you know, I'm an intern, but I'm super valuable. And they have a lot of stuff to be written and documented and edited and stuff to be produced. And I should be hired on full time and they should pay me pretty much double what I'm making now. Like, this was my thought process. Gumption. So I walked into the CEO's office, literally walked into the CEO's office, no appointment, nothing. I had a proposal, I had a five page proposal about why this was such a good idea and you should pay me this much money and I should be full time and this is the type of work that I'll be doing and what results I can give you, Mr. CEO. And I gave this all and, and he said, thank you. And kind of like awkwardly, I left the office. <laughs> so, <laughs> They did not hire me, which is not surprising, <clears throat> but the thing I learned out of this experience is in order to make progress in your career, you have to be willing to feel fear and do it anyway. Because you're gonna do dumb stuff and you have to take risks and you have to get through that period of feeling like, <gasps> you know, what, what's gonna happen if I do this? Obviously there was a lot of naivete involved in that and, um, and arrogance, but it taught me that if I wanted something, I knew that I could make a case for it and at least ask. That was my first big no. And from a negotiation perspective, especially when you're talking salary and promotions and progress in your career, if you don't know how to negotiate and you don't like hearing no, you're not gonna make it very far. That was lesson number one from the pilot. It got picked up. The series got picked up. <laughs> um, and so we'll continue that in a minute. But I want to ask you, what was the thing that you did in your career that scared you the most? Yes. Starting in a new division? Oh, you started a new division. Why was that scary? a new division within our company. It was something we had never done here in this market and it was a brand new customer set that we had never supported before. So brand new market, brand new customer set, no one had ever done it before and you were probably highly visible in that process, right? Because yes. everyone was looking at you going, cool, figure it out, right? Yeah, <coughs> scary. Who else? Yes. So what, from what to what? Uh, from advertising to UX. Awesome. Um, what was scary about that for you? Uh, and how did you get through that fear? Um, it was a lot of depression and, <laughs> <laughs> and motivation from my husband. Um, it was really scary 
because my parents also fought against it because they gave me, well, they provided for my education, so they saw this as me throwing away all the money they just mm. gave to my college education, to throw all that away, to step into an unknown, what is New York design? <laughs> <laughs> so feeling like you owe someone something, feeling like you don't actually know what's around the corner if you're starting a brand new career that you've never done before, um, that's a lot of pressure. Absolutely. So think about that. If you haven't taken a step recently that really scared you, if you haven't done something like that, maybe it's time. The second episode is the one that I wrote myself. The, the promotion that I wrote myself. So I left the company that I didn't get hired at full time. I was finishing my degree um, at school and the <coughs> woman, Anne Marie, who I became friends with at the other company who wrote that book, um, she actually recommended me for a position with another company in Salt Lake. So it was really my first real job up in Salt Lake very intimidating and I remember driving into Salt Lake walking into the office for my first interview and the experience not the actual location but it felt a little bit like this just like really really scared me and I remember sitting across the desk and him asking me what my salary requirements were and, and you know I was thinking about the other CEO that said Thank you. And so I got through that experience um, and got hired um, as their very first technical writer. I was the 17th employee hired for a, a startup company and, um, in Salt Lake. <clears throat> and I think that the, what, one of the things that I did here is that, again, was leaning on that gumption side of my, my secret sauce personally. I never thought of myself as a technical writer. I never let that label or title or whatever like really say, yep, this is what I do. I sit here and I write documentation and I, and I publish it and I edit things and I never let that stop me. So I built a wiki. I um, implemented XML for more efficient processing. I uh, redesigned the website working with the CEO. I did patent documentation. Patent documentation is the worst, by the way. Like, if you ever get asked, hey, will you write up some stuff for a patent? Say no. It's awful. <laughs> so I was always asking, what else? What else? What else can I do? What more is there? You know, as a 17th employee, of course, there's always a lot to do. You're wearing a lot of hats. There's a lot of people that um, are just getting all these things done. So the, oh, sorry. So, so one of the, um, one of the things that happened at this point in my career was I was doing all these things. My boss was like giving me all these new assignments way outside of the realm of technical writing and what I had studied in college. <clears throat> and then one day he came to me and he said, I need you to write a job description for the manager of a technical writing team that I need to build out and you're gonna be part of that team. I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I wrote a job description for the manager of the technical writing team that I would now be a part of. Great, we're growing, there's a lot of work to do. So I gave him the job description, 
And then he went back to his office for a couple hours and then he came out and he just said, all right, you're hired. Like, you're the manager, go hire a team of technical writers. <laughs> and I was like, I am 23 and a half, 24 years old. Like, wh what? Like, the, I, I was, yeah, I, this, this was like, I was just like, uh, I don't even know where to start here. I knew how to write a job description, but I don't know how to hire a team of technical writers and manage them and build out this whole program. But I did it because that's the opportunity that presented itself. And so I was able to, I basically went and I, got, I bought all these books and I read them all. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna be a manager. I guess that's the thing now. I'm managing people. So I became a manager at the ripe old age of 24, and I was hiring people that were twice my age and had been through you know, much more in their career, and it was very scary, very scary. But um, this, this is my arsenal of all the books that I read uh, during that time. I'm not sure if it's working. There we go. So what I was able to do is increase my salary by 42% in a two-year period. So I negotiated and I kept taking on more responsibilities and I was able to get what I wanted, which was to grow in my career. And one of the litmus tests, not, not that it's everything, is, is your compensation. And so that's one of the results of, of using gumption in my favor. It's like, there we go. So, the thing I learned here is to go beyond your job description. When you're hired, your employer is not checking up to see if that's what you're doing, right? They're looking for someone who's gonna solve business problems and be the person that can take the business to the next level. So one of the things that I wanna mention though is as a caution, you have to find balance, right? Because you can't just start a job and go off and do whatever you want. That's gonna that's gonna get you in trouble. So, and I've definitely had my share of going beyond my job description and getting my hand slapped. Totally has happened many more times than I'm willing to admit. But taking those risks and having a mentality of what else, what more can I do, right, can be very helpful in your career. So one of the things I wanna ask you all is how have you go gone above and beyond and what were the results? Yes? Sometimes I'll find myself going above and beyond, uh, kind of filling the role of writing requirements, the business requirements, and then the, you know, the, the functional that the, the developers use. And, and sometimes, and that usually works great because I have clarity as a designer and I'm, I'm getting uh, consensus with all the business stakeholders and everybody's on par. And then somebody moves out of a role into it and somebody else comes in and, and that doesn't work anymore. And, and, they play the role differently, but they don't want me to. And, and I find that it's really, it's disheartening to to see the, the process that I built kind of fall apart. So I'm, I'm trying to, I found I'm sheltering myself a little bit from going too far beyond and building processes that aren't sustainable unless I'm killing myself. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the issues of going above and beyond is it isn't sustainable and you aren't maybe using your efforts in the best possible way. So yeah, absolutely. Who else? I was gonna say that um, early on in my career, uh, someone 
made this comment to me about, you know, look for places where you can add value, kind of the same type of a thing. And I found that whatever your job is that you're doing, there's going to be something that's not being done that could make a significant difference into the company or the thing that gets me most excited is the end customer, right? If there's something you can just do to delight them that, that is not being done now, um, I found that almost always people appreciate you helping to fill that or at least organize it so it can be filled and show that there's value there and then, then people run with it. So I think it's a great, great advice. Yeah. Yes. So a question Thank on you. this kind of topic, because I think a lot of us are, you know, want to, we are achievers, right? Um, and we do go and look outside of kind of our realm because we want to solve problems. We're problem solvers and builders. Um, but how do you make it so that people see it? Because a lot of times I, I know that there's a lot, a lot of like fires out there that I just will take in and take care of. And um, how, how, and, and so I think people take it for granted, the things that are getting done in your role. If, and if managers and um, those above you and other leadership don't know kind of your day-to-day -day role and all the things that you're covering, how do you sell yourself? Because yes, we go above and beyond, but what is, how, do you, how do you display that I'm doing all these things that are super valuable to you and this is how um, I want you to be looking at it. You know, those that right. kind of a question. So you're going above and beyond, but you're not really getting the visibility. Basically, you're putting out a lot of effort, maybe not getting the return that you're expecting is basically what the question. So I open it up to you. I, I, I ran into some gotchas earlier on in my career where I go above and beyond, but not necessarily fulfill their initial ask appropriately. Todd Reynolds gave some advice to this group probably two, three years ago. It says give them what they ask for and then give them what you think they need on top of that. As long as you're fulfilling their basic need, they're open to the more. If you go from the more first, you're gonna, you're gonna fail a lot. That's mm -hmm. my experience. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you how do you get more visibility into the work that you are doing? Yes. I think it's your manager's job or the people you work for to create that visibility. You have to create that, and it could just be as simple as sending an email. Took care of this thing. Also took care of this and this. Solved these other problems at the same time. Thought you should know. Like that simple that gives transparency. So. Yep. As a manager, that really resonates with me, being able to have someone say, hey, by the way, I took care of these things because I saw this need. And if personally, and it could be different for others, if I see that or I'm getting a lot of those from someone, but I'm also seeing that maybe their primary responsibility isn't being fulfilled or it's not something that I think they should really be focused on right now, um, I'll, I'll just say, that's great. You know, next time let's, let's kind of focus here and we'll leave this piece to this area or whatever, right? So absolutely, I think your responsibility is to find ways to give yourself more visibility, but also you can couch things as proposals. So it, if you're taking on just everything, right? Maybe take a minute and think through, do I really want to take this on? Is it going to be worth the time? Or am I just doing this to be active and busy, right? Because there's a big difference in overloading yourself with activities as opposed to driving the results that other people are going to appreciate. Because if no one's appreciating or valuing what you're doing, you're wasting your energy and possibly the company's time and money. So. I think that's, it's a very complicated uh, situation, but that's a great question. I love that question, and I ran into that a couple of years ago myself. 
where I don't want to self-promote and be bragging about what I'm doing because I'm there to do the job. And so doing it correctly is what I wanted to do. But I found that I had to self-promote a little bit to get ahead. And so one thing that I would do and when I was meeting with my boss is present some things that I had done and just said, these are some things that came up in our projects. This is how I solved them. How would you have done it different? And then he was able to be aware of what I was doing and say, oh, that's awesome. I wouldn't have done something different. Or, oh, I would have handled it this way. And then just presenting it in more of, I've done this, but how could I have done it better really has been beneficial to me. Absolutely. Does that help? Yeah. Great. Okay, so think about this. You want to go above and beyond. You want to continue to expand. What employers, managers are looking for when they're looking for someone to promote or to take on more responsibility, generally is someone who's already doing that role to a certain extent, right? So they're looking for people who, whether you call them high potential or you know go-getters or whatever, they're looking for someone who they can already see fits that role, right? So you, you're wanting to be out ahead like that. Okay, my next, this is a double feature, buckle up. My next two episodes are, the one where the title mattered immensely, and the one where it didn't. So I'm going to kind of contrast those two. Oh, but first we have a commercial break. Sorry. This is, this is networks. <coughs> so this is my commercial break. I left the company that I had been promoted to a manager in. It was a great company, loved it. But I was ready for something different, and I was also in a kind of searching mentality. I wasn't exactly sure that, you know, I, the pilot got greenlit, but I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. So kind of took a detour <clears throat> and did mortgages for a minute. Um, this was during the subprime lending. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but I was, I was trying to qualify people that had 470 credit scores. Like it was icky. I left work almost every day just feeling like I need a shower. Like, ugh. So I did mortgages for a minute. I got, what is that called? Loan officer or whatever. I did some test and got a certification or whatever. But I did that. Then I tried to be my own boss. That was a horrible epic fail. Not, not for me, yet at least. So I moved on from that and I took a contract job with American Express. Is there somewhere where I need to be pointing this? Out of range. Okay. Okay. Took a job at American Express, and I was there as a contractor. <clears throat> I was doing kind of more industrial, or not industrial, sorry, instructional design and building websites to help with training and things to consolidate their call centers and all that. So that was a summer job for me. Um, <clears throat> I picked up a book over that period of that summer called The Secrets of Six-Figure Women. I'm like two and a half years into my career and I read this book. And I'm sitting in the lunchroom and I said to myself, I am going to be a six-figure woman, period. This job is not enough for me, I'm not making six figures. I have been working for two or three years, and that's, that's me. I'm going to be that woman. So of course, naturally, I quit my job. And then I told my husband <laughs> that I quit my job. 
I'm the sole breadwinner, by the way. Like, he's at home taking care of baby number one. So I come home and I say, I read this book. I'm going to be a six-figure woman, and everything's going to be fine. It, it's, it's fine. And I quit my job, and, I'm, and then I told him, these are all the steps to success, by the way. <laughs> quit your job, tell your significant other, uh, and then start searching, maybe, like an afterthought. But I started my search. I said, I told all the recruiters, all the headhunters, what I wanted for salary, six figures. And they all said, you're crazy, you're a technical writer. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, thank you. And then I hung up the phone. I was in this search for like three weeks, and I didn't want to settle until eventually someone was willing to pay me six figures. And that was success for me. So that led to 35% increase in my salary in three weeks. So I'm like, like I said, I'm like three, a little less than three years into my career, and, uh, and I have now increased my salary, you know, these, these two times this much. Sure, sheerly, you could say it's kind of like based on stupidity and naivete and all that, but I, I believe it's because I've, I have that in me of the gumption that's like, I know what I want, I'm gonna get it, and I don't care about how much it hurts. And thankfully, I have a husband who was willing to go on this ride with me, because we were a little bit worried about how we were gonna put food on the table for said baby number one, especially in that time period. But this was my commercial break, basically, that then led me to a decade career in in banking. So I, I was in financial services for 10 years at that point. So Wells Fargo hired me. They, I was a contractor making my six figures. <laughs> um, and so that was, my, that was my big commercial break to get from where I was as a manager, a technical writing manager, to, to this point in my career. So continuing on, <clears throat> got to Wells Fargo. Super excited. I was a senior technical writer consultant and I went to a lot of meetings and I created a lot of stuff. What I started noticing was I would sit in these meetings with a business person and someone maybe from Quality Assurance and we would be working on these different projects together. My job was to literally, I should type, type what you know needed to happen, right? Like as far as technical steps for technology that was being built. And the business person would say, all right, there's some change management associated with this effort that we're doing. We're going to need a letter written, and we're going to need this coordinated with compliance, and we're going to need this and that and that and that. And the business person would sit there and just say, all these things need to happen. And everyone around that table would be going, yeah, someone should do that. <laughs> and I sat in meeting after meeting after meeting like this, and I'm sitting there going, who is supposed to be doing this but someone should like make this happen so I just finally started saying got it and I put together a spreadsheet of my project plan I didn't know it was a project plan at that point but I put together a list of all the stuff that the business person was saying go do this this this, this. I went and did it I said here's the letter compliance said this I made an issues list over here we have a meeting with the vendor over here I, I did all the coordination because I was so sick of sitting in meetings where everyone just went yeah, that's a good idea. So, 
<coughs> what happened then was I was promoted from, within three months, I was promoted from a senior technical writer to a project manager. Had no idea what a project manager actually did, right? I just knew that I liked getting stuff done and I liked it when the business person said, thank you, finally someone is doing something. So I became pretty addicted to, someone says they need something, I do it and coordinate all this stuff and then like stuff gets done and we don't have to talk about it anymore. And I don't have to go to a meeting anymore that's like, yeah, we should do that. Um, so <laughs> what happened then is that we had a reorg and because I was, well, right, let me back up a little bit. I went from a senior technical writer and the person that I was gonna become, like my new, my new manager, he said, I wanna bring you over to my team. We don't have, like they didn't have a PMO or anything. But he said, I want you to be the process specialist. And I said, what the heck is that? What is, what is special about process? Like I don't wanna specialize in process. <laughs> So he kind of described to me what I would be doing and I did some research and I was like, that sounds like project management. That's, what, that's, that's the transition I was meaning to say. That sounds like project management. I'm, I would like to be a project manager. That, that's my title. And he said, no, like process specialist. I said, no, project manager. And I did some salary research and this is how much project managers make. I'd never been a project manager but I could do some internet research and tell him that I was gonna make more because I was now a project manager. So the reorg happened at that point, big reorg, and they took all the project managers from all the different areas and they made a PMO. That was my first exposure to a PMO. And if I hadn't had that title, if I had just had process specialist, I wouldn't have become part of the PMO that then launched me on the next chapter of my career. So we reorged, and what I, what I realized there for me was that whole thing that I went through, that three to six month period when I transitioned into project management, it really lit a fire. And I learned three really important lessons. Number one is just do the best thing that you can do with the job that you have. Be the best you wherever you are listen and observe and be open to new possibilities and doing different things, a little bit around you know, operating outside of your job description, but also know your value. Because I wasn't destined to be a process specialist, obviously. Um, I had a lot of gumption that that was not the title that I was gonna have because I didn't know how I would translate that onto a resume and then go to another employer and say, I specialized in process. So. As that continued, I started being in more and more of these meetings where I was now the project manager and I could actually get stuff done. And that was really exciting for me because I was seeing results and I was seeing the business say yes. And then they would ask for me and they would say, we want, we want Jen on, the, on that project. We have to have her, like she has to be our, our project manager. So I started spending a lot more time in, um, in meeting rooms, but they were more effective. So I knew that I liked to be in charge, basically. And what I learned is to be very decisive and to solve big problems, right? Because that's what is needed by companies is someone who can come in, make a decision with not all the facts, 
and just make stuff happen, right? So as I got started, that was really a big part of what um, you know I did. I made a lot of mistakes, a ton actually, and I won't. I don't have time to talk about any of them, but I don't want you to walk away thinking, oh wow, she's had this like glossy career. No, it was really painful. Like I said at the beginning, it was very, very painful. And those growing pains where you're cutting teeth and tearing muscle over and over and over is very difficult. But I love this quote by Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. What I learned during this time from a really important mentor coach to me was he said, it was kind of a, a, revolution, a revolutionary idea for me. He said, you understand that there are no mistakes, right? I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like even today I made all these mistakes and he's like, no, 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 like you make the best decisions you can with the information that you have at the time. And then once you know better, you do better. This was a huge turning point for me because I did suffer from a lot of guilt, anxiety, depression, like just, ah, I'm not doing this well, I'm not doing this perfectly, right? And at this stage in my career, I needed to understand that better. That was a growing pain that I needed to go through. So um, this next one, this next episode is about being underestimated. Has anyone ever felt underestimated in their role? Maybe, some of you. Yeah, or maybe you didn't get hired because they thought you know you weren't up, up, uh, the the um, the right fit for the job. <clears throat> so this is the question that I want everyone to be thinking about for this next episode. What's the craziest thing that you've learned about yourself this year in 2018? And it could be crazy because you're shocked that you learned it this year about yourself and not 10 years ago, or it could be crazy because. Maybe you're actually crazy. Or, <laughs> just kidding. Or, um, you know, it just could be something that is really crazy. So, um, <clears throat> I went to my next job at Zion's Band Corporation, and in the interview, I learned the importance of controlling the interview because they were very set on this one small, small project I had done. And I had done multi million dollar projects and they were just really focused on this one thing and they kept asking me about it and kept turning the conversation there. It took like six months for them to hire me because I think they went through many rounds of like trying to offer someone a job, the job and then this was for the, a project manager in their PMO. It took like six months. I basically wrote it off and said, all right, I'm not gonna be a project manager at this bank. Um, I'm still gonna be at Wells Fargo. I was, I was just ready to move on. But eventually, they hired me, and I did that job for the first two or three months, and it was really gratifying when my boss came to me about three months in, and he said, you know, I owe you an apology. I was like, why? Like, you're pretty much the best boss I've ever had. And he still, to this day, is pretty much the best boss I've ever had. And he said, I owe you an apology because we took so long to hire you because we kept passing you over because we thought, oh, she's just too junior. She's too junior, she doesn't have enough experience. But like, you have proven us wrong and I, I get to say that in our leadership meetings and it's really uh, making me look good. Thank you for making me look good is what he said. I was like, great, like, okay. So <clears throat> as part of that, in about a year's time, they reorged again. There's another reorg, not again, but I went through another reorg. 
Sorry, I keep walking away. Oh, so sorry. In that experience, um, as a project manager, that I was underestimated during that interview process, and then my boss coming to me and saying, oh, you're actually making me look really good because no one wanted to hire you. That's what he told me. He said, no one wanted to hire you on the interview panel. And I was like, that doesn't make me feel very good. I don't really need to know that. Like, you can keep some of that to yourself or with HR. But <laughs> he said, I fought for you, and I was right. I was like, cool. So I learned, though, because I, again, was coming in, and I knew that there was this kind of like anxiety, like, is, is this the right person that we should be hiring? What I learned is that everyone, at some point in their career, or maybe often, feels like an imposter, right? Has anyone heard of the imposter syndrome? Absolutely. So we all feel like imposters. And this was another thing that, again, my mentor coach at the time um, told me, was like, he basically said, stop it. Like, it's all BS, what you're telling yourself about the fact that you're not qualified, that you've never done this job before, you don't know really much about project management, blah, blah, blah. Stop it. <clears throat> what you're doing is you're learning on the job, you're evolving, you're figuring things out, you're, you're doing the job. Like, it's not, I don't know how to do this job, I'm just kind of faking it. Like, you're doing the job. And the reality is, for all of us, no one ever has done the job that you're doing right now. Ever. No one has lived this moment with these factors, with these people, with these politics, with these, I don't know, political climate, whatever. Like, all the things, right, that come into play. No one has ever done this job. You are the only one doing this job. Which I think is pretty freeing, actually, like to know that no one has actually ever done this exact job before, before I came around. So we went through another reorg. They decided to take the project managers that were 40 people or so and create a layer of program managers and portfolio managers. And so I was asked to be a program manager. And I really enjoyed it, <clears throat> but I realized that I was going down this path now. I was in financial services. I was in project program management. I was just feeling like there was something missing. And I wasn't quite sure how to figure it out or put my finger on it. But I decided that what it was, was if I was going to grow in my career, I needed to get closer to the money. I needed to get closer to customers. My, my customers were internal. And I, if I wanted to be further along in my career, then I needed to figure out a way to jump from project program management in a PMO to something else. And that something else happened to be product management. Because that's closer to the customer, right? That's closer to the money. And I knew I didn't want to go into sales. That's a, big, that's a big piece. I could never do sales. I really enjoyed it, but eventually, after a couple years, it started to feel a little bit like this. Like, just kind of like, okay, there's nothing more that I can really learn at this company in product management. I want to do something new and fresh. I just kind of started to feel very dark. And I was like, you know what? I probably need to go through and do another gap analysis. So I kind of did one for my career. It's like, here, here I am. Here's where I want to be. This is, not gonna, this is not the path to get me there. I need to make a change. So I moved into product management. <clears throat> 
I had set myself up to do that by aligning myself very closely with my business owners as a program manager. So when I said to the VP of product, I want to be a product manager. I've never been one, but I'd really like to do it. And, and he said, I don't know if you realize this, but you've already been doing product management. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you have been doing product management for us, but we just haven't paid you as a product manager because you have how you're behaving as a program manager. As a program manager, I was functioning more like a project product or product manager. So he said, absolutely, I'll hire you. When can you start? And I said, great. And I did salary research and I said, this is how much I want to make. And, I, and he said, great. And I was able to make that move from program project management into product management. So as I did this, the thing I learned is that your gap analysis that you can do can be very simple. This was literally the gap analysis I did when I started to feel that darkness after being in product management at that company. And I started thinking, <clears throat> I like product management, I just need a different company. And I need a different environment. So I wrote this list on a post-it note. That was my gap analysis. It can be super simple and I do them regularly. Like, where am I? Where do I wanna be? What's the gap? How do I get to my next thing, right? All using gumption. So this is applicable to all areas of life. You can do it for your marriage, your family, your other activities that you're involved in. So the number one thing here is to know yourself. Get familiar with who you are, and a good way to do that is to start with a very solitary exercise around these gap analyses that's where am I now, where do I want to be, and how do I get there? So the final episode is, we're going to skip this because I think we're short on time, but be thinking about that. Um, the final episode is the one that I underestimated. When I came to Workfront, I thought that this would be more of my role, that I would be solitary strategy, product strategy. Like that's what I was hired for as an individual contributor to come do product strategy. So I thought, great, I'll have time to think and I'll do a good job and I'll take a little bit of like a breather from managing a bunch of stuff and all the things I was doing at Zions. And it wasn't that, it wasn't Castaway. It was, it has become Star Wars. And specifically the Empire Strikes Backs, so not just any Star Wars, but it's been an adventure. Like it has been the best job ever. And some of my coworkers are here and they are the best. And I love it so much. You could also work at Vivid. They have openings, I know. But <laughs> I have loved every minute of this adventure at Workfront because of the way that I've been able to craft my career. And so I would say, um, <clears throat> as I'm looking towards what's next, for right now, I'm very happy with where I'm at. And I don't know what happens next. I really don't have a plan. At some point, maybe I will, but I, lo I love what I'm doing. So. That's my final episode at this moment. Maybe there'll be a season two. <clears throat> so, gumption. To have gumption, you need to feel the fear and do it anyway. Go beyond your job description. Be decisive and solve the big problems. Know thyself and enjoy your adventure. Something is going to happen to you. 
Whether, that whether you believe that's God-given or man-made or a little bit of both, make it amazing. Thank you. A big thanks to Jennifer for presenting, and again to Vivint for hosting the event. If you learned some things from Jennifer's talk, be sure to share it with your team, or share it on Twitter and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events. Thank you.